Hey, you're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in and around the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles throughout the week. And then we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is episode 18 of Make and Multiply. It's been a while since I posted an episode, but I at least wanted to finish up the material in our discipleship huddle guides. And we've covered most of it, but the last appendix in those huddle guides is called Identifying Idols of the Heart. And I want to talk about this probably in in a couple episodes. In this one, I want to talk about what the Bible identifies as the throne of your heart or the place from which all of your Uh, behavior flows. And it's a crucial thing as human beings to understand how God has made us and where our behavior and actions come from. Uh, Some people wander around in darkness, acting and behaving in ways that they know are wrong, ways that they dislike, but unable to identify where it comes from. Uh, Some people have uh, a tendency to place the blame or the focus on external factors, their situation, a a hard day, maybe physical things like their hunger or fatigue, uh, to blame other people, other people make me do what I do, or people say things like, you know, the devil made me do it. Uh, So the Bible is not silent on this, but it, it speaks to the motivational center of our beings as human beings so that we can know where the battle's actually taking place and experience the power of God's grace to change us there so that the the fruit of that change comes out in our in our lives. So we've talked about stuff like this in past episodes. We've talked about the functional centrality of the gospel. Uh, we've talked about moving from fruit to root, which is all about going from the external fruit, um, beginning with the sinful fruit, the thorn bush kind of responses in our lives, down to the root issue. Uh, what are we thinking and believing at the core about God? turning from those wrong thoughts about God to the truth in faith, and then um, by God's grace producing the, the fruit of the Spirit that's empowered by God's Spirit, the fruit of righteousness that overflows as a blessing to others, to the glory of God, and for our joy. So we've talked about some of this stuff. Uh, in this episode, I want to talk about our desires as the throne of the heart. Our hearts are ruled by the objects of our desire. That's what the Bible teaches. Whatever it is we want the most, what we desire, what we love, that is the thing that will rule us and determine our behavior and our our actions. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6, 24, when he says, no one can serve two masters. So listen carefully. He says, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Think about that for a minute. In what sense does anyone serve money? Money is not a master uh, in the way that we typically think. If you think of a master and a servant, you probably think of um, the master as one who's giving commands and instructions and directions. Here's how you serve me. Do this for me. Uh, But money doesn't give any kind of commands or instructions about your day-to-day life money exerts its influence. Uh, Those who serve money desire it because they are convinced that money will secure them and satisfy them more than anything else. And so those who serve money do so not by receiving direct commands from money, but by doing whatever it takes to put themselves in a position to uh, 
be secured by, to be satisfied by money. That's how you serve money. So you could fill in the blank with besides money, anything else, anything that you believe will secure you or satisfy you, that is your master. That's the thing that will rule your heart and therefore determine your actions. The other thing we see in this statement from Jesus in Matthew 6, 24, is that Jesus is warning us that the human heart can only ever love and serve and be devoted to one master at a time. So it is possible to experience multiple desires and even conflicting desires, but in the end, you will be devoted to one and therefore reject, or in the words of Jesus, despise and hate the other. So for example, you may very well desire both to lose weight and eat a dozen donuts, um, but you, you can't serve both of those at the same time. And so one of those masters is going to win out and it will be reflected in your behavior. Steve Fuller says, and I believe he's quoting or paraphrasing his dad, Daniel Fuller, when he says, uh, whatever I trust the most to satisfy me, I desire the most. And whatever I desire the most, I obey. Whatever I trust the most to satisfy me, I desire the most. Whatever I desire the most, I obey. Uh, he's saying, whatever I think is going to satisfy and secure me, then obviously that's going to be the thing that I want the most. And whatever I want the most, that's the thing I'm going to obey. That will be the master in my life. Our hearts are ruled by the objects of our desire. The thing we want is the thing that sits on the throne and, and rules us. And so if we want to make sense of why it is that we do the things we do, then we have to identify at the root, what are we desiring? That's where sin comes from. Listen to what James says in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. That means that as much as we want to blame circumstances around us and other people and all of the other external factors, and we want to blame our sin on those things, those externalities are only ever the occasion for our inner desires to manifest in sinful ways. And so at the root, it's just our own desires that are luring us and enticing us. So uh, somebody might rub you the wrong way, uh, get on your nerves, S circumstances may be hard or challenging, uh, some kind of salacious ad or billboard might come up, but it's desire inside of you that is lured away by those things into sin. So James goes on to say that desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and then sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. So desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. Sin, fully grown and mature gives, um, brings forth death. And so we have to abort this at the level of desire, sinful desires in our heart. That's where our sinful behavior comes from. James 4, just a couple chapters later, is incredibly insightful again when James says, James 4 verses 1 and 2, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you. You desire, there it is again, that language, you desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. What One of the things that's so convicting about what James says there, when he says you do not have because you do not ask, he's, he's telling us sometimes the things we desire 
are not in and of themselves wrong because James is telling us, ask God for the things that you desire and the things that you need. Pray to God for these things. Um, Rather than entrusting those desires and needs to God, we act in sinful ways when we take it into our own hands. But when James says that a lot of these desires are things that we ought to be praying about instead, the implication is the thing we desire is not in and of itself necessarily a bad thing, but we desire it so badly that we act in sinful ways when we don't get that thing. James goes to the extreme to say the ultimate manifestation of that is that you you would even kill to get what you want. So at the root then of fights and quarrels is desire. And that's where we have to learn to do battle. Just getting down to the root when I'm acting in sinful ways, when I'm experiencing sinful attitudes, what am I wanting so badly? And that's where we have to learn to repent and turn away from that thing because that object of desire has usurped the place that belongs rightfully to Christ and Christ alone. He should be the object of our ultimate desire and devotion and affection, but something else has taken his place on the throne. And so we need to repent, turn away from that, topple that idol, uh, like Gideon going out and cutting down the um, Asherah poles, and we need to turn our devotion back to Christ, consciously setting our minds and our hearts' desire on him. That's the, the root level where the battle's going on. And David Paulison says in Idols of the Heart and Vanity Fair, I'll end with this quote, the most basic question which God continually poses to each human heart is this, has something or someone besides Jesus the Christ taken title to your heart's trust, preoccupation, loyalty, service, fear, and delight? I love that list. Think about what your heart's trust, preoccupation, loyalty, service, fear, and delight. Has something or someone else besides Jesus the Christ taken title to your heart's trust, preoccupation, loyalty, service, fear, and delight? Paulison goes on, it is a question bearing on the immediate motivation for one's behavior, thoughts, and feelings. In the Bible's conceptualization, the motivation question is the lordship question. Who or what rules my behavior? The Lord or a substitute. So may Jesus Christ rule our hearts by having all of our desire, all of our delight, all of our loyalty, all of our trust, so that he would be magnified and exalted through our actions and behaviors that flow from that trust in and delight in Jesus. And so that those around us would would be blessed and uh, would be the beneficiaries of the fruit of righteousness that God produces in us. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles, missional communities, or gospel fluency, please email me at ryan at emmausroadsf.com. And if you're not currently part of a huddle or MC, let me know and I would love to help you get connected. If you're interested in more, you can find this content in our Discipleship Huddle Guide, which is based on the DNA Guide by Saturate Resources. The music on this episode is called Everywhere by Lee Rosevere, and it's used under a Creative Commons license.